Welcome to the Cashflow Ninja, the podcast sharing how to create and grow income streams and manage, multiply, and protect your wealth in the new economy. Are you tired of trading your time for money? Do you desire freedom today instead of retirement in 10, 20, or 30 years? I'm MC Lobsher, and this is the Cashflow Ninja. Hello, Cashflow Ninjas. MC Lobster here, and welcome to another episode of the Cashflow Ninja. I have a great show for you today. In today's show, we're going to look at how to attract investors, establish credibility, and fund your deals. My guest in this episode is Hunter Thompson. Hunter is a full-time real estate investor and founder of ASIM Capital, a private equity firm based out of Los Angeles, California. Since starting ASIM, Hunter has raised more than $30 million in private capital for real estate offerings. He is the author of the newly released book, Definitely check out this book, Raising Capital for Real Estate, How to Attract Investors, Establish Credibility, and Fund Deals. Hunter, of course, has been a past guest on the show, and he also hosts his own uh, podcast, Cashflow Connections Real Estate Podcast. If you've not checked out my new podcast, speaking of podcasts, Cashflow Investing Secrets, I would highly recommend you check it out. It's a shorter show, 10 minutes or less, where I share one concept and or idea at a time that I've learned from interviewing over 500 Cashflow Ninjas. You can listen to the show on your favorite podcast, video, and live streaming platform. We also have an investment group and community for accredited investors. If you're interested to join the group, please visit Cashflow Ninja Investors Network.com. That's Cashflow Ninja Investors Network. Com. I know, a mouthful, right? If you also want to stay informed of everything that's going on with our community, uh, you could uh, join our Facebook group. Just go to Facebook and type in Cashflow Ninja Community and you'll find our group. My friend Brian Page has created a cash flow machine generating over $100,000 in six months without owning any real estate. His system consists out of renting properties from property owners and renting them out on Airbnb. His system is so simplistic, it can be managed by virtual assistants and yet so effective and powerful that it predictably generates cash flow every month. Brian and I are hosting a webinar where he shares his system and how it generated over $100,000 in six months for him personally. You can access this life-changing webinar at cashflowninja.com forward slash BNB. This is one of the greatest cash flow opportunities I've seen since I've started my podcast. Again, the URL is cashflowninja.com forward slash BNB. Joining me is my great friend, Hunter. Hunter, welcome back to the show. Appreciate you and thank you so much for, for joining us on the show again. Hey, MC. Honored to be on. Thanks again for having me. So for folks uh, that are not familiar with you and what you do, can you please share a little bit about yourself and a little bit about your background? Yeah. So I'm the founder of ASIM Capital, which is a private equity company that helps accredited investors invest in commercial real estate. Just a little bit about my background. I've been a full-time investor for about nine years now. Saw a great opportunity in the wake of 2008. And obviously that's much easier to say now than what it was back then. It was pretty decimated. 
going out to your family saying, I'm starting a private equity real estate company back then was very, very challenging. But, you know, it was fortunate not only in terms of the market timing, but also because we were able to create some incredible relationships very early on because experts, high caliber operating partners needed money for the first time in their career. And so we really had this opportunity to invest significant capital, raise significant capital, invest with institutional quality partners. It'd be very challenging to replicate that now, given the fact that the real estate market has come back and is quite healthy, it's easier to raise money. So, which is obviously what we're talking about today. Yeah, absolutely. And for listeners, um, if this is your first time listening to Hunter, go to cashflowninja.com, type in Hunter Thompson, and you'll find a ton of episodes. Hunter's been featured on the show talking about many, many different things. Um, and I have found every single time I have a conversation with them, I, I learn something new and they're extremely valuable to me personally. So I would say take advantage of this Cashflow Ninja and check out all of the up, other episodes as well. Today, we're going to jump into a topic which I have been getting a lot of inquiry about. So, you know, I know we're talking about your book, Hunter, but really we couldn't, it couldn't have come at a better time because I've been getting a lot of questions about this. How to raise capital. Yeah. I mean, you know, I'll, I'll put it this way. There's a reason that you're getting a lot of questions about it. And this may not be what everyone wants to hear, but I'll be honest with you. I have worked in this business for quite some time and there is no more consistently needed, consistently sought after and lucrative skill in the entire real estate sector than raising capital. Yeah. On the other side of that spectrum, if you are incredible on the operating side and don't have the ability to come up with millions of dollars when it's time to close, your supposed skill set is completely useless. So the capital side is just unbelievably important. Now, sometimes you can have a division of labor where one of the partners only focuses on the operating side of the business, and then they have a partner that only focuses on the capital side of the business. Very common in commercial real estate to have that component. But man, I was at a conference recently and a speaker said, is the deal in the money or is in the deal in the deal? And I have come to find that the deal, the money is really in the money. Uh, and it allows you to participate in a lot of different asset classes across geographic locations and just network with different sponsors, knowing that you can bring millions of dollars to the table when it's time to close. Awesome. Well, I'm super excited. The book is called Rising Capital for Real Estate, How to Attract Investors, Establish Credibility, and Fund Deals. So we're going to drop a lot of value bombs here for you guys today. So Hunter, let's start out with this. When you were starting out, um, it's not rainbows and unicorns. So what was it like starting out? What were some of your early lessons that you learned? Um, and what were some of the, the things and, uh, well, the adjustments that you made and, and, and some of the things that you did to, to change some of the earlier experiences? So, I mean, for myself, I had a bad experience in investing in stocks, particularly as it relates to the European debt crisis, was very turned off by that and decided to transition my portfolio into real estate. The first thing I thought that really caught my eye was the mobile home park business. I'm sure a lot of your listeners are very familiar with that investment thesis. Back then, it wasn't very popular. Now it's become in trend. And for a lot of reasons that, you know, it's a very unique asset class. So I started in 2011 or so really focusing on that asset class specifically. By 2013, had established a track record for my own personal portfolio and for like my mom, my close friends and family and decided to build a business around this real estate niche that I had focused on and decided to create my first fund. And so what I did to market for this fund while I was home for Christmas, I sent out a bunch of emails to my friends and family asking them to opt in 
to receive details about investment. And this was with the background with a partner that I had tremendous respect for that was one of the best in the country that later went on to be involved in one of the largest mobile home park sales in the history of the United States. And I had a luncheon to make this presentation. And it was a 30-minute luncheon. And actually 30 people came, all accredited investors. So there was probably around $30 million of net worth in this presentation. I was very knowledgeable about the topic. I had a background in sales. You know, I led my branch in Cutco, for example. So I, if it was a product that I was passionate about, I could communicate effectively. And so I had this presentation. At the end of the presentation, I handed out a piece of paper so that everyone could write down how much they're interested in investing. And at the end of the presentation, I turned the papers over when I was alone and zero dollars had been written down. Not one person. I couldn't scrape together 50 grand. And this was mind-blowing to me. I mean, I was very well prepared for this. I answered all these questions and had flown around the country conducting due diligence. But the truth is, all the reasons that I thought they were going to be blown away by this was all the reasons that they're completely turned off. They had never thought about investing in mobile home parks before. Most of them haven't invested in real estate. Why would they go through some kind of pseudo-religious change just in this 30-minute presentation? And so basically, I realized I need to completely reverse this flow. I need to create an infrastructure to attract people that are already interested in this topic, nurture them through content creation, and then close after they've already gone through all that. Super scalable, so I don't have to do the same thing over and over again and just really get the money across the finish line in the most efficient way possible. And that's really where I am today. And now I've raised you know, more than $30 million from hundreds of investors, not just one or two investors that own my soul because they're a large institution, but a super scalable business where if 10 investors don't invest, it's not the end of the world. We always have new investors coming in. Um, so that's really what I've you know, built up and what I'm excited to talk to you about today. Yeah, that's, that's uh, fantastic uh, to, you know, change and course correct and build an infrastructure and looking where you're at now and then hearing your story where you started, right? Because we all, we all have to start somewhere. That's why, you know, one of the things that I always say to folks that it's, uh, you got to start where you are right now, start where you are and, and, and make improvements. So let's talk about this infrastructure that you built up, uh, the components of it and what you, what you established uh, for this. Yeah. So, I mean, for my infrastructure is incredibly robust because this is something I've been focusing on for years, right? So, we have articles that we've written over the years. We have email blasts that are going to be received by our investor base every single week. We have a podcast that comes out twice a week. We have an annual conference, which is in LA, actually uh, January 25th to 26th in 2019. All of this works to do this. Now, this is something that I've built step by step. And so if you haven't yet started this process and you're thinking about investing or raising money, most of the time people think about, okay, I'm here in the middle of the circle. Here's my doctor. Here's my mom. Here's my uncle Frank. I want to go out and convert them and maybe they'll send me their $25,000. What you need to really focus your energy on is building out this infrastructure. So, and it's an incredibly efficient and favorable way to spend your time because at the worst case scenario, creating educational content will further solidify your ability to communicate effectively. And that alone will probably pay for the time. So a strategy that I talk about in the book is I'm a huge fan of time batching tasks. I don't like to spend 10 minutes doing something, switching gears and doing that. So I like to block out 60 to 180 minutes and write down 100 topics of potential articles that you could write. 
That's right, 100. Don't stop until you've gotten that much. And part of the reason you do this is that this will completely eliminate procrastination, which is basically the most significant killer of all success. You know that most of these topics are going to be trash, but it's fine. You only need to write a couple of articles anyway. So as you start writing it, I'll give you an example. Five reasons to invest in self-storage. Is interest rates really good? Is low interest rates really good for housing? Five reasons to invest in cash flow as opposed to appreciation. Those are three. So you only have to come up with 97 more and you're well on your way. Then take each of those topics, put them in Excel and rank them on a scale of one to 10 in terms of how quality and how aligned with your brand that they are being. Sort them in numeric order and write an article about the first 10. And that is the beginning of that infrastructure. And there's so much in that little outline that I just gave you. There's so many cool takeaways, overcoming procrastination, significant time blocks, and the content creation component. And you start to think about your entire infrastructure like that, reusing, let's say the let's say 52 that you didn't quite use for the topics, they weren't quite good enough, maybe make emails, a drip campaign with the remaining topics, things like that. Reuse, repeat, and then repurpose. That's very powerful because just there, just, I mean, just the brainstorming, just that activity alone, as you said, that's going to get your mind going. And there might be even more than a hundred that you could do, right? So, and then look at, look at the keywords and then, but I love batching. I do batching too. I do my best work with batching. So I batch my podcast. I batch my creative stuff. I batch my other work with producers wealth. So I batch, uh, batch a ton of stuff. So huge, huge fan. So that's the written part of it. What are some of the other elements of this infrastructure? So the, look, the podcast community, obviously you and I know, yeah, this has been incredible in terms of the run of popularity. I'd like to say that both you and I have played a little bit of a role in some of that, but the business itself has taken off. I mean, I looked at some podcast numbers recently. By 2014, iTunes had a total had received a total of seven billion downloads. By 2018, that number went from seven billion to 50 billion. Now, as investors, we see that number and we start to think, "Man, maybe this is a bubble." But from my perspective, Nothing can be further from the truth. And here's why. When something is a bubble, it's when people start making investments that are unfavorable. They are asymmetrically unfavorable, meaning the risk is extremely high and the value add or the upside is extremely low. With the podcast community, we've got all the world to go. And here's why. You and I are having this conversation right now, hopefully adding a lot of value to the listener base. It isn't like there's 20 people behind this door telling me what to say. I don't have a huge employee staff that's just all dedicated to podcast medium. We're just having this conversation. And so yep. the potential upside is massive. So I'm only thinking that this is going to become more and more popular. So if you haven't yet been a guest on a podcast and you are an expert in your particular niche, which you should be, I'm assuming you are, here's what I suggest. Create a Google document, write down a specific keyword, whether it's real estate or not, find 50 shows that are in that particular niche, have a VA, create a Google document with, let's say, the name of the show, the link to the iTunes, the ratings, the number of reviews, and the number of Twitter followers, and then have them sort by the number of reviews, the number of Twitter followers, and start at the bottom, meaning start with the least popular shows. Reach out to them. They're trying to get guests all the time. Also, your first interviews will be your worst. And you'll start to gain that confidence, start to gain that momentum, and you can work your way up that list. Just create you know, a one-page document that's allowed people to understand your background with speaking, some of the times you've spoken on other podcasts, some of the articles you've written already, 
And man, now you're starting to see how this is starting to gain momentum. Absolutely. Here's another thing that I would do as well. Uh, on top of that, those are great. You can even record yourself, you know, and, mm -hmm. and, and speak to share and to, to share the knowledge that you're going to share on the podcast that might even, or even like one or two minutes, send a video to the specific person and say, Hey, my name is John or my name is Sandra. Here's, here's the, what I'm an expert in. Here's what I can bring to your podcast. Basically I'm going to melt the microphone and just drop value bombs everywhere. Right. <laughs> so, oh, I like yeah. that idea. I like yes. that a lot. So then they hear your voice, they see you, they see that you're passionate and, and so forth. But this is so, so true. There's one of the, it's, I mean, it's one of the most powerful vehicles that's out there, in my opinion, and audio is just going to get bigger and bigger. And one of the reasons why is because you can do, listen to audio while you're doing something else. It's totally. very tough to do something else when you're reading, when you're reading, you're reading. It's very, when you're watching a video or a show, you could, yeah, you could obviously do something, but you're not making contact then with the video. So if you engage with the video and watching, it's tough to do something else. With audio, you can work out, you could go for a walk. I mean, you can uh, commute to wherever you're commuting to. There's just, you could do it when, so yeah, I, I'm, I, we are in alignment. I agree with you. I think we've only scratched the surface on this yeah. um, of where we are. Um, so can we've I add got, one thing to the podcast thing? Yeah, absolutely. So one tip for this, don't do this until you have created a specific call to action that you can share with the listener base. So mm -hmm. one of the things I talk about in the book is creating an ebook, which I'm a huge fan of, you know, somewhere between 7,000 and 10,000 words. That yep. is a more detailed look at a specific nuance of your business, something especially that's evergreen. So we have an ebook that we talked about easier um, previously, yep. uh, Little Boxes, Big Profits. It's about 10,000 words, probably takes 45 minutes to read. However, you can provide a tremendous amount of value, you know, actually using data to back up some of the claims that you may have made in the article, for example. And then in that interview, you mentioned that ebook, click here to learn more, boom, email address as a lead capture. Don't do this until you have that lead capture device because you're wasting your own time. People right. love what you're saying. They need to be able to get out to you and get in that infrastructure that you've worked so hard on. Yep. It's hard to attract folks to you if there's no way for them to reach out to you or by, you know, except by basically liking a Facebook page, which you right. still don't have their contact details to communicate with them and, 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 and more. So we've got the written word. We've got the podcast. What are some of the other elements? Well, man, you, you kind of nailed it on the head because now you're starting to see that what we're really trying to do is we have this information in our mind. We are experts. Now the question is, how many senses can we touch potential investors to nurture them? And so we've talked about audio, we've talked about written word. So one of the things I like to do is have an in-person investor dinner. And you can kind of drive traffic to that. Um, you can also do webinars, of course, live presentations, whatever. But I really like in-person dinners because the close ratio is just unbelievably high. So let's assume that you've already gone through your presentation on a webinar. Let's assume that you've done it um, many times and are comfortable with it. What I really like to do is let's say I'll open up the event to up to 20 accredited investors. They're allowed to bring a plus one or plus two, assuming that you're uh, raising capital for 506C and allows people that you don't know to be presented to. We can talk about that another time, but just look it up if you're interested more on that topic. When you do in-person dinners, you need to be cautious about who is going to attend those dinners. A lot of people that are hyper-focused on productivity, 
they're going to be the ones that don't have the time to go to one of these dinners. But the people that really want to experience the relationship, they want to understand who you are as a person. They want to feel that is what's not really coming through in whatever medium because of their personal preferences. So be really cautious about the total experience. So this is like the quality of the sound, the service. If you have it at a restaurant, what kind of food is it going to be? How good is it going to be? And then in terms of, you know, actually doing a presentation, two tips. Number one, don't be afraid to take up physical space because it really helps confidence. You know, when you hear people that are unconfident give presentations, they tend to kind of slouch forward and it does not exude the type of thing that establishes credibility, which is what this is all about. So some of you probably are familiar with Conor McGregor. He made a a habit of kind of busting through the doors of the octagon and doing his billionaire walk. And if you haven't looked that up, just check it out. It's pretty funny. And no, I'm not suggesting you bust through Morton Steakhouse like an Irishman crazed looking for a fight, but it might help you in terms of gaining that confidence to do some kind of physical routine where you really feel like you're getting in that mood because that's what people, especially people that are going to attend those events, those are the kind of things that actually make people feel comfortable. You know, I mean, I've interviewed people from Silicon Valley to Main Street to Wall Street at private equity companies that have billions of dollars, and they all make decisions based on emotional reasons. It's not the analytics. So just be super cautious about that when doing in-person presentations. You're listening to The Cashflow Ninja, the show helping people all over the world create monthly cash flow and achieve freedom today, not in 10, 20, 30, and or 40 years. This is the show where cash is not king, but cash flow is king. We will be right back after a word from our sponsors. MC Lobshire, the creator of the Cashflow Ninja and Cashflow Coach at Producers Wealth, where we help our clients integrate infinite banking with their business and investments. To learn how you can create your own banking system to turbocharge your investments and business in 30 days or less, go to yourownbankingsystem.com. That's yourownbankingsystem.com. My friend Dave Zook from The Real Asset Investor says, you can be conventional or you can be wealthy. Pick one. The Real Asset Investor team creates value for investors looking for higher yield returns from ATM machines and sales storage investments. Their syndications offer attractive investment opportunities that produce strong cash flow, equity growth, huge tax incentives. They are truly passive and managed by a world-class team. To learn more about the exciting investment opportunities the Real Estate Investor offers, such as their ATM and sales storage syndications, please visit cashflowninja.com forward slash real asset investor. You're listening to The Cashflow Ninja, the show helping people all over the world create monthly cash flow and achieve freedom today, not in 10, 20, 30, and or 40 years. This is the show where cash is not king, but cash flow is king. Now let's return to our interview. Yeah, think about one of the nicest experiences that you've had as far as service, and then think of some of the the less desirable ones. I mean, that's you want you want to provide a five star experience. You want to wow them. They want they need to walk out from that dinner saying, you know, wow, everything from like start to finish was phenomenal. I was just at a at an event recently too, 
And that's the experience that I had. I had the wow experience. Mm. I'm like, this is like amazing. Everything was pre-thought. There's attention to detail. It was very well organized and there was a personal touch to it. Yeah. So I know, I know how I felt after that event. And I'm like, man, these folks are amazing. I, I'm in. <laughs> like I, I, I'm in. And then there could be other experiences that are less desirable. So definitely the five-star experience. So we've got written, we've got audio, we've got in-person, the relationship, you know, that, that type of thing. What are some of the other things? Well, all of this, in my opinion, in my funnel, the way that we do things is really leading to a phone call. And that's typically where the closes come through. Now, before going to the details, and I'm not saying this to brag, I'm just saying you can accomplish some pretty remarkable things in real estate without even jumping on the phone. And I know that sounds silly, but you know, you mentioned the amazing intimacy of podcasts. People that listen to my show and people that listen to your show, they know us better than some of our best friends. Yeah. And they know thoughts about like just wide ranging topics across uncomfortable things, comfortable things, super things we love, things we hate. It's just yep. incredible. So the idea 10 years ago that someone would send me an email saying, hey, I've listened to your show for two years. I'd like to send you $300,000. Most of the time, 10 years ago, someone would say, well, the guy's an idiot. He met someone on the internet, sent him $300,000 that he doesn't even know. The reality, yeah. now we know, this guy knows me very, very well. And so that's incredible. Now, that may not happen at the beginning of your career when you're just building this infrastructure. So I do suggest kind of building a system around closing calls. Whenever I do anything, I want to make it super systematized for two reasons. Number one, it's going to help with efficiency. But number two, it really establishes credibility. When an investor hears that you have a system for everything that you do, it implies that the reason you have it is because you've done it so many times that it needed to be systematized. So if I'm going to do something a lot, I'd say, why am I doing this a lot? Well, there's two reasons to have a call with an investor prior to them investing. Number one, an introductory call. Number two, a due diligence call. And I'll kind of break those two down really quickly. So an introductory call, really the goal is to establish that relationship. From my perspective, the easiest way and most efficient ways to do this, number one, establish a start and end time to the call as soon as you jump on the call. Is now still a good time for you? Perfect. I've got a spot from 2 to 2.30 and then I have another call so I have to run. If it's okay with you, I'd like to jump into it. Boom. That establishes that your time is desirable and limited and it can help you tremendously within that first five seconds when the investor is in the process of trying to understand if you're credible or not. From there, I want to hear about their background and I want to hear their motivations to invest. What is the motivating factor? And if you have a lot of these calls, you can hear them say the same things over and over again. Don't glaze over. Listen to the nuances of what they say because you'll use it later to repurpose it. Then I want to discuss two really important things. Number one, my last straw moment, the moment that I realized that thinking about the world the way that we were taught to in school was not going to result in me getting financially free. The reason for this is that anyone investing in real estate, at least right now, anyone doing that, they had this moment. They realized I had been lied to. It's not going to work. And they relate to that. The second is to talk about my motivating factor. You know, What's the reason that I feel morally obligated to be in this business? Whatever your reason is, just be authentic about that. And then to restate that they were right. Whatever they feel motivated about, the fact that the stock market's too high or doesn't provide cash flow, or the fact that they invested in single family houses, it didn't work out, whatever it is, that's accurate. But the good news is there's another way. And you show them the light. 
which happens to be your investment thesis. And then, of course, we go into the diligence call, which is a whole other conversation. But I think that will give you a really good starting point. If you guys start implementing the strategy and system, it's going to help you along those lines. It's really just knowing, having confidently knowing that you have a system in place is going to help you through a lot of that. So is the due diligence call usually part of that or that's a separate call? Yeah. So typically, most of the time, I like to have an introductory call, which is 30 minutes. Many times, because of the work that we've put in with the uh, the infrastructure we discussed earlier, many times, Mm -hmm. a closing call. Now, sometimes an investor will want to review the offering details in a lot of detail and go through and send you hundreds of questions, which is totally fine, at which point we schedule a 60-minute due diligence call. And this is to get into the nitty-gritty of things. And I just don't like to do... So sometimes you'll receive an email from an investor that says, here are all these questions about the debt service coverage ratio and the rent to price income, whatever. I don't want to jump into that before establishing that relationship because I'm not trying to compete on price. I'm not trying to compete on the debt service coverage ratio. I'm trying to compete on the relationship Yeah, because I want to actually build that. I want investors to know who I am and be able to trust me because everyone's marketing documents look the same. Everyone's returns look higher than ours because we're extremely conservative. That's not what this is about. So it's all about that introductory call and establishing that relationship. Yep. And that's before you even get to the frequently asked questions. Yes. Yeah. And as far as this is concerned, I mean, obviously this is what I do all day, every day. When I jump off this call, I'm going to jump on one of those. So, well, how about this? I want to talk about referrals, but other than that, let's start with referrals and then I'll ask, let you ask me any question. I'll give you guys a blueprint for how to answer it. Yep. Referrals have a system for this. You're going to get asked this all the, que- all the time and it has to be systematized. So what I suggest you do is have three people that you have a good relationship with always be the people you send everyone to and just say, look, I'm in the process of growing my business. I need your help. You've had a great experience investing with me. It's best if they live in your hometown and just constantly send those same three people. Make sure they're experts. Make sure they understand the investment. Make sure they can respond to the email. And then every year, take those people out to a really, really nice dinner because they're the ones that are helping you grow your business. That's the best way that I have found to do that. Referrals are absolutely critical in this business. So hopefully that makes sense. I don't know if you have any questions about that, but that's one way that I've been able to systematize it. No, that's really, that's, that's very, very powerful because that would be one of the questions that investors have, right? Who else has, have invested with you? Who can I talk to? Who can I reach out to? And there's, not, there's a lot of folks that like to stay private too. You know, yes. they don't necessarily want people calling them. And then there's other folks that they would be your biggest promoters. So, yes. you know, so this is a great point. Figure out who are those folks that are comfortable taking those, those phone calls. It's hard to find the right people that are going to respond within 24 hours that are smart, that are accredited investors. These are busy people. But especially if there's a symbiotic or a potential for a symbiotic relationship, you can find those relationships over the years. Yeah, yeah. That's very, very powerful. So I like it how that, it, that is systematized. Um, so we've kind of looked at the infrastructure, the content that you put out, the, the credibility through the content. And by the way, one thing I just wanted to add too, that throughout all this content, consistency, authenticity, authenticity and tra- being transparent is like three of the big, big things because I've seen so many people start to do certain things and then they're done because it's <laughs> a lot of work. <laughs> it's not, yeah. it takes a lot of time and energy. There's no shortcuts here. 
Um, yes, you can bring other folks in to help you. Of course, you can do that, you know, through um, writing articles, through helping you with podcast productions and so forth. But it still takes a lot of hard work on your end. You know, um, the other thought that I had the other day in the shower where, where I do my best thinking is that <laughs> people talk about hustle, hustle, hustle. That's like the one group. And then you've got other folks, which is kind of like the four hour work week, not doing anything, lying on the beach, taking selfies and systematizing anything. I almost find that there's a, there's a, there's a powerful combination of working hard on smart things. Yes, because you know, people why are talking. Are friends. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that, but most people talk about, hey, you just got to work hard. Not necessarily. Other folks, no, you just got to work smarter. Well, let's work hard on smart things, and then that's going to move the needle. So anyway, but be consistent because if you're not consistent in anything and transparent and authentic, then this is not going to work at all. Build a track record. I mean, if you look at, what is it now, three or four years we've all had this show and there's other shows out there too. If they've been doing something for four years over and over consistently, that build goes a long way of building credibility. Oh man, let me just speak to that really quickly because I, when I started my company originally, um, like I mentioned, back in 2010 or so, the world of syndications was not popular. And if I were trying to pitch someone on a syndication investment, most of the time I would be talking about what it meant. And so I was very concerned that launching a company about that vehicle was going to be challenging. And because of that, I did what everyone else was doing at the time, which was allow people to invest in turnkey single family houses. And we did not have nearly the success we had today because people could pick up on the fact that I wasn't just completely in love with the vehicle. And when I made the transition to say, I'm going to overcome that educational hurdle somehow, as soon as I made the transition to be more authentic, the business changed dramatically. And same thing with you. That's why people love your show because it's not that off air you go, wow, good thing we didn't talk about the you know what. No, it's like this is an open conversation. The authenticity creates that high buy-in clients that we're all looking for. And this is the infrastructure by which you have done it and other people can do the same thing. Yep. Absolutely. And let's talk about, so after investors invest and the importance of building a community and tribe, because that's one thing that you've done really, really well too, the sense of community. And, and it also ties into events we, we can talk about as well. But why don't you speak to that a little bit? Well, first of all, in terms of after the investment, the first impression is just so critical. So as soon as the wire is sent, we're sending a thank you note. You know, this may even be before we countersign the documents, but they need to receive a thank you note within seven days of sending that wire. And that really is a nice touch. Um, In terms of our investors that invest more than $100,000 a year with us, they get a gift, typically $25 to $50. To give you an example, just a hot and cold cup. This is the name of my podcast, the Cashflow Connections Real Estate Podcast. Um, We've done uh, wireless chargers. Those things matter. And yes, they're going to have your brand on it. But as long as it's something that's actually useful, it really does make the whole experience better. And a $50 gift can overcome some challenge that you may have had with the actual performance of the real estate. We've been very fortunate in terms of the performance of our real estate, but you can understand weird things happen. It's real people, real property, et cetera. Um, Also, always have an opportunity to just hit them on multiple senses. So the podcast, the articles, the conference is in person, you know, and again, in terms of systemization, Uh, you know, if you can hit them on a weekly, quarterly, monthly, and annual basis, you're really starting to establish the fact that just because, think about it, what's the worst case scenario from an investor's perspective? They send you this $100,000 and you're in the Caymans. 
So look at that on the other side of the spectrum. What would you do if that was the last thing on your mind? Just continuing to nurture that relationship in multiple mediums. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and let's talk about, yeah, let's talk about the events too and the live events because then cool. that brings the community in. And I know that there's an event that you guys have as well. So please share a little bit more about that. But that gets yeah. everybody in the same room that's part of your community, investors. I mean, it just provides another level of all of these things that we cover uh, in the show today and in your book, Establishing Credibility, right? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, one of the reasons that the live event or any sort of live event is so important is that in the real estate business, it is not what you know, it's who you know. And especially when things go wrong, it is not who knows the best strategy for keeping a property above cash flow. It is who has a best friend that can help you solve this issue, you know? And so from my perspective, the podcast comedium is incredible for education, but it doesn't create that networking component unless you really force it with the online stuff. So I like to have an outlet for that education to be turned into lifelong relationships. And when you're starting to get all of those things firing on all cylinders, again, you have those high buy-in clients. And in the business of investing, it doesn't take that many high buy-in clients to radically change your financial situation. You know, depending on what industry you're in, gosh, this is such an incredible takeaway that um, became clear to me reading a book called Oversubscribed, which are, if you're interested in raising capital, certainly read that. It talks about the fact that, you know, our human nature is to think we're from small tribes, like from an evolutionary standpoint. And in those small tribes, all of those relationships are so critical that as humans, we want approval from everyone. Because if you were in a tribe of 30 people and eight people didn't like you, you were not in a good position in terms of your evolution. Um, but in the world today, we have access to millions of people. We still are drawn to have them accept us. That's not how business works. You don't need tens of thousands of people that kind of like you. You need probably a hundred, if not a few thousand to be ultra bought in to who you are, which allows you to be authentic, which allows you to stand out as being yourself. And that's when people really sink their teeth into you as a brand. So that is something that I'm just super passionate about. A lot of people that are scared of creating their own mediums want to hide what is interesting about them. They, whatever they think it is, whether they have unpopular political beliefs, whether they didn't do well in school, whether they have some weird background, something came up, anything like that is actually the thing that's going to make you stand out. And there's hundreds of people that can relate to you. And guess what? You only need a couple hundred people to be ultra successful. Yeah. Everyone has an interesting story and an interesting experience. We're all unique. We're all grew up, you know, experiencing different things in the world, you know, regardless yeah. of where you are. So use that to use that to your advantage because that's what makes you you. That's going to attract the people to you in the first place. Yes, the people to you that are going to reinvest with you over and over again, the people that are going to share their investment opportunity with your friends, those are the type of clients that actually make your business scalable. Yeah. And I love the fact too that you're, you're, some of the stuff that you just said, the lifelong relationship and relationships, because I think that is the cornerstone you know, of every, and, you know, everything that you're trying to do, right? You as your biggest and greatest asset yourself and then relationships and being a relationship-based business and person. So the clients think in terms of this too, the people that you're, that you're bringing on as clients that you, uh, for your business, those should be lifelong relationships. That's a journey of a, of a lifetime, right? So you need to be, uh, there's buyers on both ends in my, in, in my opinion, right? 
So it, yes. because this is going to, this is, this is a marriage. This is not, a, <laughs> this is not transactional stuff. Totally. So, um, yeah. And, and that's why those calls, like, as we discussed, is so important. Totally. I mean, look at, look at the numbers, like in the business that I work in, for example, you know, $50,000 is not going to move the needle. Right. So, but when someone right. invests with me, I am so excited. I understand the responsibility and the trust that they're putting in, but more importantly, um, they most likely have the financial ability to invest fifty or a hundred thousand dollars every year with me until they die, right? Mm-hmm. And then even their their heirs could do the same. That can move the needle. I mean, if you have six hundred investors investing seventy five thousand dollars a year, that's forty five million dollars in equity and probably enough equity to buy one hundred and fifty million dollars worth of real estate every single year. Is yeah. having six hundred investors really that out of the sight? Like, is that actually that impossible? Yeah. So, yeah, there's a great lesson. I, you know, there's a gentleman whose work I'm studying right now, Keith Cunningham. He wrote a book, uh, The Road Less Stupid, which I just love the title to begin with, talking about books. And one of the things that he posed, one of the questions that he poses is, if you think about it, because, you know, the big Silicon Valley kind of word is scaling, right? You got to, mm-hmm. which is just growing your business. So he, he takes it back and he's like, think about it this way. Everyone is always trying to chase new customers or clients in their business, how big would your business be if every single person that ever did business with you and you followed the approach that Hunter's talking about stays a client for life? Yes. We'd have a pretty big business, right? Yes. <laughs> you wouldn't have to, you didn't have to do all these things and just talk about scale and grow and all these Silicon Valley type of stuff. So it's very, very powerful stuff that you shared. I've already, as you can see, scribbled down a ton of notes here. Great to um, hear. Yeah, so of stuff that I'm going to take into it. What are some other things that you could share with our listeners about the of the book, about raising capital for real estate, how to attract investors, establish credibility, and fund deals? And again, I appreciate having me on, be able to to speak to this level of detail. Um, I'll add one more thing, which I think is important in terms of after you've actually raised capital. Um, Try to view everything through what I call in the book, the challenging decision algorithm. There's going to be some challenging things that come up. You're going to have some tax documents that come due late. You're going to have a projection that's incorrect. You're going to have something that happens in escrow that reduces the return profile and you have to make the call of whether or not you move forward or not. These are challenging things that you have to deal with in any sector, but particularly in real estate. The playbook by which we make decisions is as follows. What is in investors' interest over the long term? And the f- that can sound a little, obviously the investors' interest part, that's easy, but the long-term part is really, really important. And I'll give you an example. When I started in the business, I was just hell-bent on making sure that our fees were just extremely streamlined so that investors could get as much much money as possible, right? We have 0% assets under management fee, zero acquisition fee, just all the stuff that I thought intuitively, wouldn't it be best if all of our compensation, all the income is deferred to the very last minute? Well, sure. If you want to do everything yourself and if the quality of the investor relations and reporting, and maybe you want a software that you can use, you maybe you want due diligence processes that cost money, this will drastically limit your ability to provide an institutional quality standard to your investor base. So think about your fee structure. What's an investor's interest for the long term? Or let's say you have a potential to hire a CPA. Which one's better, a $1,500 CPA or a CPA that costs $5,000? Well, it depends. Is the quality of work such that it's going to limit 
your investor's ability to succeed over the long term, if those tax documents are done incorrectly, that's going to present a major challenge for you. So it's not really as clear as what it seems. But I always like to ask myself that question whenever contemplating a new initiative or a new investment or whether or not to move forward with something. It'll really help a lot of the problems that can come up later down the road. Absolutely. And, and, and the, the framework that I use for that too is price, cost, and value. There's a price to everything that you that you buy or that you pay for, right? Then there's a the cost of it, the cost, the true cost, and then the cost of not doing it, and then there's there's the overall value. And there's mm. another thing that I that I refer to as its return on advisor. You know, just using mm. that because a ta- a tax advisor that's not an expense. That's that's an investment. So yeah. in your in your instance too, that's an investment on behalf of your clients as well. So I would, you know, that that is definitely something then to look from a value standpoint and not cut corners on because if you pick the right one, there's going to be a substantial value to it and a and a and a and a um yeah, from an overall perspective. Yeah. That's right. So let's talk about uh, where folks can get your book raising capital for real estate how to track investors establish credibility and fund deals and where they can follow you get in touch with you and also if you want to share something about the live event that you guys are having cool so for the listeners that are listening to this right now we are going to do a pre-sale launch of this book something i recorded yesterday which is called closing strategies for high net worth investors And I am very excited about this video. I was so excited like going into it. And then I thought I did a very good job kind of presenting the the information, which is very, very dense. And you get access to that for free if you buy the book before we launch it. And you can find this at raisingcapitalforrealestate.com. And that'll be available by the time this show is launched. So go there, buy the book. You get instant access to that video. Once the book is launched, you get access to the book. Awesome. Awesome. The conference, you can find the conference at intelligentinvestors2020.com. And if you want access to the ebook that I mentioned earlier, if you're looking at writing your own ebook, or if you want to learn about the self-storage business, uh, go to cashflowconnections.com and scroll to the bottom of the homepage. You can sign up. Awesome. Hunter, as always, my friend, I appreciate you. Thank you so much for sharing all of this valuable information and knowledge. Um, yeah, there's, like I said, I learned a lot here. This is going to be extremely valuable for our listeners. Thanks. Thank you so, thank you so much. And, um, yeah, you're going to have a lot of success with this book. So I'm excited to, to follow the progress on this. I appreciate it, man. I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to the response as well. If you like this interview, shoot me an email. Life settlement investments have allowed financial and banking institutions to not only buy their equity contractually, but also diversify their capital from any economic market and geopolitical risk. It's been part of the billion dollar blueprint followed by institutional investors. And if you're an accredited investor, you can also now participate in this vehicle with enormous growth potential. You can watch an informational webinar presented by one of the premier organizations providing life settlement investments, Penumbra Solutions at cashflowninja.com forward slash life settlements. 
Thank you again for joining me on the Cashflow Ninja. If you like what you hear and appreciate what we're trying to build here, please subscribe, rate, and write a review for our show on iTunes and share our show with family, friends, and your network. If you're not a subscriber to our newsletter, you can sign up for our newsletter at cashflowninja.com. I want to thank you for spending your most precious resource with me today, your time. Until next time, my friend, live a life of passion and purpose on your terms. presentation is for educational and informational purposes only. The information being presented and considered does not consider your particular financial objectives or situation, and it does not make personalized recommendations. This material is not intended to replace the advice of a qualified tax and legal advisor or other qualified professionals, and you should not use the information in place of a customized consultation with a licensed professional regarding your specific personal financial objectives, situation and needs. We believe the information provided is reliable, but we do not guarantee its accuracy, timeliness, or completeness.